everyone, and welcome to the Dungeons and Diapers podcast. I am your host, Crofton Steers. Uh, I've hosted, I would say, I'm going to make a rough guesstimate, 50% of the Dungeons and Diapers episodes. And you're thinking, 50%, Crofton, that doesn't seem like a good amount of time to host. Like, if you have a podcast, shouldn't you be hosting it 100% of the time? And I would say to you, fine listener, you're wrong, because I have a co-host. And he hosts the other 50% of the time. His name, Ryan Murphy. Ryan, how are you? I'm good. Yeah, we share uh, the hosting role. And I feel like that uh, has worked so far. Although this has got to be the most low energy intro you've had. Usually you're like screaming and you're like uh, making wrestling references. So I feel as though, yeah, I feel as though we can feel it, right? Well, maybe, maybe. And I will say like, you know, Ryan is my co-host, but with <laughs> coupled with comments like that in his past performances, you know, I, I've looked to other people, including Caden famously oh, that's right. uh, and, and uh, as, as alternative co-hosts. Uh, but for the time being, you know, you work with what you got, right? So, uh, so uh, Ryan, uh, how's it going with you lately? You've been, you've been, uh, you've been trucking along. Get, did you get vaccinated? I have not been vaccinated yet. Uh, well, from what I've heard, uh, we're—I mean, I'm not forty yet, so I'm not. I'm oh, not... that's right. Kick me while I'm down. Why don't you? <laughs> Did you get yeah. vaccinated? No, but I am forty plus. But but uh, and I have not been vaccinated yet. I'm on waiting list because our province decides to let every friggin' pharmacy do its own damn thing. So uh, so yeah, I'm on a few waiting lists. A cursory look at my Facebook has people like just showing off their arms and band aids, and uh, I, you know, I'm I, I've got vax envy, I guess, if you will. Uh, so uh, I'm hoping soon. I am hoping, and I think it may be realistic to say this. This is a two week show. Like uh, next time we do a show, I expect to say I got vaxed. Yeah, your first shot. So that's a start, though. I think that's really important. I think by our next episode, I'll have been able to call in and make appointments because I think they're saying maybe maybe two maybe two more episodes. I think they're saying anyone can can add their name to a waiting list. Uh, I think starting after well after this initial lock. You're, this you're over thirty, right? I am over thirty. Yeah, wouldn't that be great if I was under thirty? That would make me super young. Uh, <laughs> I feel like it would. It would. I mean, like. The, I, I'm young at heart, and obviously I'm looking to Caden as a co-host, so I'm True. not. I, I don't discriminate against working with young people per se, <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, that would be pushing it maybe. Yeah, maybe a little bit. You know, Ryan, I feel like we have a lot to talk about on the show today. Like I, I have uh, there's a lot lot of stuff. I'm looking at your your famous notes of show, and I see uh, I see a lot of stuff. So I feel we should just go right down into the dungeons right off here wait you're gonna skip the fact that you started a twitter beef i didn't you started a twitter beef and (laughs) i feel like it's that twitter beef segs nicely into the dungeon so i i thought we could just as the host go down and and then you we can we can bring it up again and i can pour some oil on that fire uh as i as i expect to uh momentarily but the dungeons for those of you who are new listeners or where we talk about the geeky stuff that we have been up to as we are parents trying to balance 
our lives in this crazy, crazy world. Now, Ryan and I don't necessarily always align on the dungeons. We're two different people. We do different things, believe it or not. We play different games. We watch different shows. We hang out with different people. We are different people. Um, and uh, however, this week there is alignment on something quite large. So let us start with that, Ryan. Uh, what do you know of what I speak? Yeah, we're talking about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, spoiler free, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing, because yeah. there's already been a call to do a spoiler episode. But we're already one Marvel series behind on that call out. So uh, maybe someday soon. Maybe on the same same time when we talk about WandaVision. But spoiler free, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, the latest Disney Plus series. And we're not actually getting another one next week. We're, we have to wait a whole month for Loki. So... Um, it's going to be a bit of a dry May for Marvel, although we lasted a, a year. So I think we'll survive. Yeah, it's funny because I think May last year was when Black Widow was going to be released. Yeah. Uh, and uh, then it got it got put back. I would not be surprised if this was a normal year, if they would have a movie release in May. But they do not. No. Uh, it's almost it's funny how like the production of these Disney Plus shows was in, in the works well before COVID ever uh, came along. But it is it is funny how serendipitous it is. It was for Marvel in the sense that, like, you know, they, it's just what the doctor ordered while we're at home now is to get these sort of movie similar experiences. But yet at the same time, you don't feel bad for not seeing them in theaters per se. You know, they're still – there's still smaller smaller scale in, in 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 many ways. So I guess my question to you is are you first off are you done Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Did you did you secondly did you watch it week for, to week or did you binge it? And thirdly, what are your overall like what would you rank it uh, good, bad, middle of the pack? What what are what are your thoughts? Well, uh I did finish it. So I'm all caught up. Uh, turns out if you hadn't watched the series finale and I, I was, I was, I watched the series finale the Friday it came out the Friday night. Um, I did stay up, but, but, you know, once the kids went down, we, we went, but I was spoiled by a, a tweet that went out. It wasn't really a spoiler. It was more like, Hey, there's a fourth Captain America movie coming. And it's like, well, no, duh. And obviously they, they were telegraphing to that point. I don't, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that there'll be a sequel to, uh what is a very popular character um but the journey to get to captain america returning um that is that is the series right or or the not the the hero of captain america uh having his his boots filled again um so the second question was uh i did i think was uh, yeah i watched it week to week i had to recall there what you had asked so I was happy to watch it week to week. It was like a Friday ritual. Ashley and I would we'd get the kids down. Um, we would we would sit and watch uh, the show and be like, ah, it's Friday. And yeah, yeah, it was. My wife it was and nice. I had a bit of that too. The Friday release is not like I mean, it is nice because it is one of those days where we were looking for something, you know, something to do and stuff. And, uh, and I'd be like, hey, there's a new episode of uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, uh, tonight and and uh, she was not I don't know about you but she was not as keen uh, with it especially after the first episode uh, but she got into it as it went on but I I, I would say never like like never uh, 
she was never really into it and and it does it does have a lot of bro energy you know like most most of all the main characters are men um and uh and so i i think that like definitely i can see it being as the captain america movies have always kind of been like even it, it, it but the winter soldier had had the black black widow playing a major supporting role whereas this this show did not really have that I had sharon carter coming in for a cup of coffee in one action sequence and that was about it right yeah yeah i think you know ashley ashley enjoyed uh she enjoyed the series but i don't think i think both of us were kind of like happy to watch it week to week there were only i think i think there was really only two moments in the show uh, at, at where the episodes ended and we needed oh man i can't wait for next week and um i think those moments are are, are pretty clear uh and i think all i can say spoiler free is basically you know the, the shield got a little bit of an extra paint job and um the what's in the box dot gif essentially was was our take on on oh man i want to watch the next episode but other than that we were happy to wait week to week and i and i was i was happy with that i was find a wait for for good content and honestly the way that uh the pandemic's <laughs> been rolling uh weeks have been going by very quickly so uh it was yeah. friday before we knew it i do you did you like have an affinity i guess okay so so i'm getting the impression you liked the show quite a bit yeah so i, I really liked it yeah so like i i would say i'm seven out of ten on it hmm. and uh and I, I would say that, like, um, like it, before when they announced the Marvel shows, this was one I was more interested in uh, because I like the Captain America uh, spies universe that they've cre- created on the cinematic side um, from the Winter Soldier onwards, you know, uh, t- t- touching on, on that tone in Civil War as well. Um, before it went full on intergalactic with the infinity wars, but like that, the, the spy corner of the MCU, you know, they have in the, I think it's the very first episode or the very first Bucky and, and Sam interaction in the series. They, they, they make a joke about wizards, aliens, and what's the other one? I forget. Robots. I think so. And it's like, but it speaks to the corners of the MCU and coming off of WandaVision that operates clearly in Doctor Strange's corner. It was it was like, you know, very a very different spot to be. And it is funny too, because like I knew where WandaVision was going. It was announced there would be the Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness movie. It was announced that Wanda would be in it. Like there was that what you know when the series as all Marvel products seem to do end in a cliffhanger fashion for what's next, I sort of knew what was next. So you, when you were talking about the captain America four movie, I, I, I had on our week to week watching, I had these conversations with my wife where I'd be like, where is this going? Like, where is this? Are they going to wrap all this up? Is there going to be a season two? Uh, is like, what is, what is going to happen? Cause there's only six episodes and they've got a lot of balls in the air. And, and then of course they, you know, it being a Marvel product again, not everything is wrapped up in, in a neat little bow. And, uh, but I didn't know where they were going next. So for them, for them to, to get that news about Captain America four out early, at least, at least that positions it a little bit. You're like, okay, some of these dangling plot threads are not going to, um, 
are not going to to be wasted, right? So, uh, I I th- I just one of the things about the the Falcon and the Winter Soldier is that was so frustrating. I thought was there were bits that were so good, and 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 stuff um, in addressing like the the directly the weight of a black man picking t- becoming Captain America and taking the shield and stuff like that as as a possibility and and what that would entail. Um, and, and, uh, I thought that those, the, there, there were scenes surrounding that, that were just so powerful and so well acted, so well scripted, so well put together. Um, and, and then there were scenes on, on, on the Bucky winter soldier side that were also quite impactful. There were less, less of them, but, but about him leaving the sort of winter soldier part of himself behind, uh, but then in between all that, there was a tremendous amount of messy plotting, obscured intentions, like uh, unclear uh, ideas, not fully put together. Like they had the characters that, that played important roles. Like there's a politician that was that played that was recurrent in the first and last episode and everywhere in between. He didn't even get a name. Uh, they, he was senator. You know, they, that was his name. He's senator. He's senator. Senator from yeah. senator to town. He's Mister uh, you know? Senator to you, good sir. Mister Senator. So I just thought I like like it. It didn't. It doesn't hold up to any sort of scrutiny. It felt a bit like um, a comic book series, which is funny because that's what it's based on. But like it fe- feels like comics week to week are written in a way where like, you know, the characters never end and it's always ongoing. And then there's the next thing and the next thing. And it's like event event, let's get an action scene in, ah, you know? And so there's a lot, there was a lot of that I felt. So it, it was, it was tough. And I said early on to, to Jess, like, like I, I think like it exists as a character piece. First off it, it, of these two characters, Really cool how it dissects these characters and gives you a lot more to them. But on a plot level, I was thinking about this because there's a lot of people that are watching the show, but there's also a lot of people that will not watch the show and will only watch the movies. And so at the end of Infinity War, what happens is that you know Steve Rogers, spoilers for Infinity War here, end of Infinity War, gives Sam Wilson, the Falcon, the shield, and infers that he's also giving him the mantle of Captain America. Um, and and this show, and I don't think it's too much of a spoiler to say, is it all about Sam wrestling with that and what that means. Um, but like, if you didn't, where this show ends and where Captain America 4 will start with Sam as a character, if I never watched this show at all, and I just went from Infinity War to what the opening scene of what I, a fictional Captain America 4 would look like. I don't think I would feel like I missed anything, you know? Like, I just feel like, okay, that makes sense. You know, like, I'm I'm based on the last scene of Infinity War and, and whatever the first scene would be of this uh, Captain America 4. Does, it, does that mean the show didn't serve a purpose? No, I think it served a great purpose. And it really, it did stuff that they would know in no way do in a film. I just, I just thought, uh, I just thought that it did feel more filler, less killer, if that makes sense. Uh, those are, those are, that's my my takeaway. Now you tell me what you loved about it. <laughs> well, I, I do want to talk a little bit about what you're saying, and that um, I never really made the connection, uh, really thinking out loud about how the end of Endgame 
can lead directly into a cap four set up by the events of of this series but have folks not need to know what's going on but there are things in this series that will lead into future um, films and, and other series that that will be confusing if you hadn't seen this i think um john walker I, I re- yeah i really want to talk about those things and i feel like it might be I don't know if that's too much spoiler it, town or whatever. It could be but. spoiler town, but but I think like John Walker, we know John Walker is uh, the cap introduced at the end of the first episode. He's in all the marketing. Um, his character and where he goes was introduced and led down a path in this series that, that will be picked back up. There's other characters. Um, I think you're right. Like Zemo basically gets an upgraded prison, why he wasn't at the raft to begin with, who knows. But, uh, and I suppose that that is a bit spoilery in the sense that, but again, like he's a character that survived the movies. And yeah, I don't think these TV shows have, or have not yet shown that these TV shows have this uh, sort of uh, pressure on them or not pressure, but like, they just they're not they're not going to do anything with major characters. I don't think they're going to change major characters. They're going to progress and upgrade major characters. I think Wanda um went through a lot in WandaVision and where she's at at the end of that to set up, you know, Multiverse of Madness, that is that is progression that had to be done in a in a series in a long form series and I think the same thing about, you know, Sam and and Bucky and I think if you don't watch the series and you go into Cap 4, you might be confused as to why Falcon and the Winter Soldier, uh, or I guess Sam and Bucky, have this lighter friendship, you know? Like, they're getting along. But still, I, I think you're right. Like, you can probably go from Endgame to Cap 4 and and be fine with it. The internet and sort of the Marvel-ness of it all is going to fill in those gaps. But for me... I think you're right. There were yeah. moments that kind of kind of dipped a little bit, but it was all so well done. Like when we talk about TV shows having these dips um or just quality differences in terms of the story they're telling throughout it throughout an entire season or series, I don't think that we like Falcon and the Winter Soldier is like Oh man, it really had some some really big dips. I think it was all very good considering some of its uh some of its some of its tougher moments, uh you know, some of its um not tougher moments, but some of its less quality moments like compared to some of the TV shows out there where they dip in quality during a season, it's like this is still really good TV and I think Marvel's putting as much as they can into this and I and it shows. I, I think that they're telling stories that would be really tough to do in a movie just because of the time that it takes to to set up these stories and and kind of move these characters forward. It's um it's really good and I'm glad they're doing more of this with TV because I think uh we saw it a bit with the Netflix Marvel series where what you could do with a longer format. But um having it all connected really builds upon it and you see a bit of a bit of the pieces of okay i now see how this series and this series and this series can work that they just keep announcing like every couple months they've got new things to announce based on the success 
of other things that are happening within the MCU. So it's a crazy time to be a Marvel fan. And the fact that we got like six, six one hour films is kind of crazy. Like this is, I'd even put this above the Mandalorian in terms of like investment, not necessarily quality, but investment for sure. Yeah. Not, not quality. Um, uh, <laughs> I know. I, 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 I'm not a Star Wars guy, so like I might yeah. put this above uh, maybe a couple of moment, like sections of the Mandalorian. I mean, we want to talk yeah. about like dips in quality. Like season two kind of has its moments of where are we going with this, but uh, season one's really good. Don't get me wrong. Uh, of the Mandalorian. Of the Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah. I'd almost, I'd almost come at you with reverse, reverse. I guess. You know. Anyway, I would not to, not not to go. Where's in Jordan? In we need side. Jordan here to to. Yeah, I, I would say season two is where the killer is. Uh, but uh, the, uh, the in terms of um in terms of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I just I I felt that that like you say it couldn't be a film. Uh, it, I sort of would almost be interested in seeing a fan cut of it to make it a film because honestly, like I think it strangled itself from from having the rope being too long. Like they had six hours uh, to fill. They were doing a six hour movie and they just, it just, they, they lost control over what over plotting because it it felt overstuffed with, with things that could completely be exercised, you know, um, uh, from, from the film. And I know they wanted to provide, one of the big failings I think was, was, um, the the villains uh, to to use a very like I don't even know if that's the right term the the, the main uh, and the plot villains the ones that everybody's chasing the ones that are you know like who um like uh, who who they try to give you know motivation to without ever really doing a very good job of explaining what the motivation is like they try to a little bit but it's always unclear and you have to ask a bunch of questions and read Wikipedia articles on the internet to kind of get to the bottom of like okay what is going on here like why is you can get the the large beats of it but like you have a villain that's speaking very passionately about what she is trying to do but at the same time never really explaining what she's trying to do and uh i I just found that that functionally as a plot it was just like a lot of you know it's a character piece about falcon and the winter soldier and it did that well but everything else was was not great and and i it made me a little that that part made me a little little disappointed and it made me the fact that marvel just can't conclude things drives me a little bit batty now and so like the fact is is that this i don't think this is a spoiler to anyone nothing is like they they very they resolve the the maybe the the villain of the week that i just mentioned uh but but aside from that nothing is resolved um and uh they they set up all these plot threads for future things uh and ryan mentioned john walker and it's like i mean he might be in cap four or he might be in, in something completely different we don't know and i mean like his his arc was unsatisfying because you don't know what's happening next or where he's going and it doesn't really resolve itself well. Yes, it hits the comic book beats of like he becomes who he's to be to be as per the comic books. So yeah, I, I know I'm I know it seems like I'm coming down on it, but I very much enjoyed watching it week to week. So that is the that is the side thing. But I'll never watch it again. I don't think, you know, and I think that's the difference with the Mandalorian. I will definitely watch again. And there's some great action scenes in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but not enough for me to turn it back on. And, uh, 
And so I, I, I would say that that's the, that's the test of it, where I could see myself watching WandaVision again at one point um, and, and thinking about like the central mystery and thinking about some of the characters. Both WandaVision and the show succeeded at making me more interested or more involved in characters that had been side characters before. But I think WandaVision had more work to do on that front because I do think that uh, both the Winter Soldier and Falcon did get some good pieces in the films where I feel kind of like Wanda and, and, and vision really didn't get much in the movies. I don't know if you you agree on that. No, that, that makes sense to me. I, I agree with you there. And I, I think you're right. Like the, the Falcon and the winter soldier series does not resolve, you know, much, if not anything. And I think even, even the moment you're referring to, and again, like, I think this is this show this conversation is more interesting with spoilers so maybe we revisit it but I think that um they don't they don't even resolve the thing you're talking about because basically at the end there is this there's this speech in in uh in regards to what you're referencing and we don't know if any, like you know just because someone says some cool stuff to a senator doesn't mean that senator is going to do anything especially when he's proven to be you know not the greatest character and I, see, I yeah. think there was an off. I, I, you know, uh, I think there was an offhanded remark after that in one of the resolution scenes where somebody said something like, "I see that the, the vote was or something was changed." Or oh, maybe said, somebody said something, but the fact that it was delivered in such an offhanded way uh, sort of stresses the um, the underlying unimportance of the whole thing. Um, and but but yeah, like again enjoyed it enjoy the characters and probably are attached i'm definitely much more attached to sam wilson now as a character than i was before the show started so i you know the whole thing i i would say uh, you know I, I, like i i give it a a seven would watch again uh, like would watch again if i had never seen it yeah. uh, i would <laughs> recommend it to people but i wouldn't watch it again now that i have seen it so like i guess that's the um that's where I fall. That's where I fall uh, on that, and I think that it it is where like I I wouldn't mind do, getting more into it with with spoilers because I do think there are some plot beats we kind of alluded to a lot here, and I imagine a lot of folks have been watching it week to week. It's not like a a show that was just dump you know dumped out there. So hopefully we didn't we didn't spoil anything. No, for, for I anyone. think we're good. I think most of what we've discussed has has been is in trailers and it's been out there and uh yeah spoiler alert something comes to a resolution other things don't uh i think i dropped probably the the biggest spoiler but like it's it's not a it's not a spoiler to say someone survives to see another series and i think that uh there's a lot good about the show i agree with you i probably wouldn't watch it again um as a repeat i could see myself watching maybe the finale um again just as a as a refresher heading into any future series that that have to deal with this but i think like there's one there are specific moments that could be you know considered spoilers that i would love to talk about because i think there's just there's just something about the way you're right like they they there was things that were like you know, mishandled because it was a longer form. Then there was stuff that wasn't really handled well. Like there was some progression of uh, of a character, like of a new character that arrived, that just kind of felt like like a bell curve. Like very good, did something really bad, you know, and then and then kind of like evened out at the end, so to speak. It was really, 
interesting. Strange, I think yeah. from a comic book perspective, it would be really good to talk about because I think that they had, like, if you try to do it in a movie, it'd be even tougher, right, to have that happen in a two-hour, even a two-hour film. It would have felt even more sort of abrupt. But I think even in the series, it felt... I mean, I guess you could talk your way around it and have it make sense, but it still felt like it happened pretty quickly and everyone kind (laughs) of moved on from it, including the people that were all there. But all that being said, like, I think this was supposed to be the first Disney Plus series. And I think being the first, it would have, it kind of sets up this like status quo. Here's your Marvel stuff you expect. But the fact that we launched with WandaVision that had resolution, it had character uh, moments, it had mystery, it had you know, what's in the box type stuff. And it, it it was, it had a little bit of everything and it lit the internet on fire. And I think that one being the first one set some expectations, but I think we have to remember that not all of them are going to be like that. I think Loki is going to be more like WandaVision than Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but uh, everyone loves Loki. So that'll be an interesting one to see, an interesting one to talk about. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I'm curious, but I, I, and I think, again, it could be misplaced expectations in the sense that say, this was the show that I actually had an interest in where Loki, I don't mind him as a character, and but I'm not necessarily super keen to see his show is the same with with Vision and Wanda. But then when I saw Vision and Wanda show, I was like, wow, this is a great show. And I expect that Loki could surprise me in the exact same way. Right. So, uh, you know, it's, there's something to be said of, of having too high expectations. And one thing I will say about Falcon and the Winter Soldier is it has made me want to rewatch Captain America, the Winter Soldier. And um uh, that is, I think, the success of Marvel's method. I, it makes you they're they're less about telling a story and more about getting you invested in characters. And um, and now I want to see like how Falcon and Winter Soldier interact in that film. I want to see how uh, you know, like I I, I want to see some of this world before it. I saw the movie uh, not recently, and so like it's made me interested. So. Does that mean I'm interested in Cap Four? Yeah, likely. Now after this, I'd be like, oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch that. Uh, I, I probably would have been interested in that anyways. But it may get it, it may get more people um, in the door. So it does it does stuff right in terms of brand building. Um, and it, it 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 took it it tackled some brave subject matter. Um, and it's not like PTSD was there, racial relations, all of this sort of stuff. It's it's tough stuff. So I give them full credit for uh, for for um, doing that. I almost wish that they would have done away with some of the the other stuff in favor of that. Though anyway, enough on that. We can maybe we can maybe review it in another time. And because I took so much of the oxygen in the room on that, Ryan, I feel like you should talk about what else in the dungeons you have been up to. Well, I'm probably going to pass the torch back to you pretty quickly because it's kind of been a grab bag for me, like just a couple of like little things over the last couple weeks. Um, but the things I wanted to kind of focus on, I'm curious. Uh, I know you played Persona 5. I know you played Fire Emblem Three Houses. And um, I've been running back to there was a challenge on the Gamers Inn that Joss and I sort of put ourselves up to but supported by the discord to go back to xenoblade chronicles 2 on nintendo switch uh and now that i have and returning to a jrpg that you've put 20 hours into four years ago and learning how to do everything again i'm kind of at the point well where i'm like well i can't stop now i've already put the time in i'm enjoying it if i put this down 
it's uh we could have trouble here in a sense that I'll, I'll if i try to return to it again i'll be like cursing myself that i didn't keep going so uh i've been playing a lot of xenoblade chronicles 2 which is very much uh a jrpg and um yeah have you ever played that one before I played Xenoblade, this is funny, because like Xenoblade Chronicles, the first one, has kind of an interesting past where it was released, at least in Canada, in partnership with like EB Games for the Wii. Oh, yeah. And and it was in limited supply, and it was difficult to get the game. And by the time the reviews kept coming in saying that it was really good, it was pretty much not available to be found. And it was near the tail end of the Wii's life cycle, so I never got it. So I ended up buying... Uh, Xenoblade Chronicles, when it came out on the new 3DS, oh. uh, there was a version that launched at the same time. It was exclusive to the new 3DS and not just the regular uh, 3DS. Uh, I think most people would say that for a game that was such grand scope and vista, probably not the best way to play it. So I definitely did not finish it. I got a, a good chunk into it and I was quite enjoying it as far as JRPGs go at the time. But then... Things got complicated. There was like Xenoblade Chronicles X or something or Xenoblade. Uh, it was some... Xenoblade X. I don't think it had the Chronicles. Oh, it was no. all. I think it was Chronicles. Yeah, yeah. It was. Yeah, something. I... And then the reviews for that were not super great. And I forget what it was on. It was the and Wii then U. I... Yeah, the Wii U. And then Chronicles 2 came out on Switch. And then again, the reviews were sort of middling. And now, now they have like... It feels like Xenoblade Chronicles 1 is the, the good one and that that one has just been like, I don't know, re-released or something on Switch. And so maybe I would go back to that sometime but because I never finished it and just played a kind of shitty portable version. But uh, no, I never played uh, I never played any of the other ones. Hmm. Well, Xenoblade Chronicles 2, I think, is uh, was well-received. Uh, it did very well for Nintendo. They released uh, an expansion pass that had a sort of a prequel story attached to it as DLC, which was really, um, w- really well received. But I, I think when it launched, it was kind of heralded as like, this is really complex and there's a lot of systems and the quality of life stuff, there are issues there. So like, there's a lot to love and then there's also a lot to scratch your head at. And um, that's kind of what I felt over the last week, just trying to return to it. But now that I have, I'm I'm kind of in a you know a steady clip where I've got the combat down. Um, I'm moving through engagements, bosses, and just kind of mainlining the main quest because I fear that if I leave the main quest and start trying to do side stuff again, um, I'll get lost. But that's the thing about the side content there because the game was released in 2017, early on in the Nintendo Switch lifespan, the first year. Uh, the side content and the main content there is there is a there is a difference between the two the side contents like there's no voice acting there's hardly many cutscenes that i've experienced in the side stuff but all the main stuff when you get to a moment you've got cutscenes you've got voice acting and it's it's all fairly like well done in terms of uh, the story that they're presenting um so i've just been working my way through that i think that uh Xenoblade Chronicles 2, you don't have to have played Xenoblade Chronicles uh, or even the definitive edition that came out last year on the Switch, but um, they are sort of tangentially connected, but in very few ways. Uh, So you can kind of jump right into Xenoblade Chronicles 2 and 
Yeah, but I, but it's one of those things where it's kind of hard to recommend unless you're like really into the JRPG side of things, like everything from systems to menus to combat to storytelling to character acting, like all of it's there in terms of its JRPG uh, goodness. So I think it also released near the beginning of the Switch's lifespan. And so like there wasn't as much stuff as there is now uh, and probably profited a little bit off that. I do know like in the uh, Breath of the Wild expansion pass, they there is like a partnership with Xenoblade Chronicles too. So like definitely Nintendo got got in there with them pretty uh pretty tight so i i'm glad look the fact that you're going back to to a, a previous game that you didn't finish but enjoy it i think is great i think that's what a lot of people are doing right now i think we get caught up in the next new thing cycle and it's really tough to get out of that and now with the pandemic hitting the video game industry it's a little bit easier i've noticed that a couple of websites i maybe it's polygon or kataku or something they're running a backlog month all month long where it's like oh now's the time to to hit your backlog and i totally like i appreciate that there's so much out there and uh, you know i've discovered a couple of things um and and it, i wouldn't necessarily have if there was something new and hot that i was you know pivoting to right away um so uh the two the two that i'm gonna just talk about briefly here in the um in the dungeon section just because i know i'm going to be talking about both of them again first off for the king uh ryan are you familiar with this game no i'm not this is the first i'm hearing of it okay so here's the thing i have seen it in the peripheries of my mind but like i see it all over the place like logos for it steam sales different things and I think I conflated it with a different game. And that game, I cannot remember what it is. I think it might have even been a Wii downloadable game that ha uh, that was like a tower defense type game. So I thought it was something that it wasn't. But I maybe it's the art style. I, I'm not quite sure what for, uh, what it was. But I I just was sort of not into it. And Epic at one point gave it away as one of their free games of the month and i claimed it and um and it you know it was on game pass it just left pc game pass last week actually so if, if you're listening now and you're like oh this sounds good i'd like to check it out well it's no longer on game pass so uh but it's totally it's totally worth worth the 20 bucks or something that it is so what this is what it, this is what it is it is a um it it is a rogue like i guess you would call uh RPG co-op three players um, mixed with a board game. So uh, the way it works is that uh, it's a very traditional. Like it's got a, like a cartoony art style, although it has like some some funny ragdoll violence and stuff. Um, so it's not like it's close to being okay to play with kids, but not really. It's and, and it is complex enough in the systems that it doesn't work. But you choose your character at the beginning. Very simple, like fighter, magic user, like archer. Uh, there's a couple of you know a couple of them. You you know dress them up, and then you start the campaign. And there's a there's a few I guess campaigns that have been now downloadable content, and it starts and you're playing like on a board, like kind of like it's kind of a board hexagonal type squares. 
and, and you have movement, an amount of movement. And you can play solo. You can control all three players of the party and move them in different places or whatever or do different things. Um, if you get in a conflict with one, if the two others are far from you, they won't be able to participate in the battle. So you, it kind of behooves you to keep your party together. Um, and, uh, and so you're exploring the world and there's all sorts of random stuff that happens. Like it's similar to this, like I played this board game talisman for a long time. It's a lot like that. And that there's like, Oh, you know, something random can happen. Um, you encounter a merchant, he, you know, roll for this or, and there's, there's a, like, you know, a rolling system. Then there's combat and the combat is pretty much straight up final fantasy style combat. You know, the, you, your three guys line up, the enemies line up. And, you know, you say attack or use your special move or use your magic spell. And then you choose which enemy you're going to use it on. And um, and boom, uh, there's there's a role to determine if you hit. It's like light Dungeons and Dragons, but it's designed primarily to be played three players. And if you can get three of your friends, this game is amazing. It's a perfect substitution for game nights for like like instead of having a board you know you're you're playing this it's like half board game it, nothing is urgent you know uh but all the tropes of 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 our board game nerd nights are all together in this uh it is it is designed for three players so so three players is like one of those sweet spots that i look for often and and this is this is them you know each player has a turn and it's not annoying necessarily waiting for your turn and yeah just so fun and i can't believe i didn't find this game before it was in early access for a while and so it's been really polished quite well um and and then you you know you have i won't go into the you know the depths of all the skill attributes and all of this but if you like rpgs if you like playing with friends if you like uh, adventuring and going around and like visiting villages and what's this guy village's armor got okay i'm gonna get this or share uh, and there's little little nuances like when you're in a battle like if you know if the if you get a, uh, I think it's random who gets first crack at the gold, but you can share it with the group or you can keep it for yourself. And, uh, and, um, you know, everybody will know immediately what you've chosen. And so like, we're obviously always sharing with the group, but like it, nobody trusts me for some reason, whenever hmm. it's my turn. And then there's, there's, there's also, um, there's also like items in that, like Michael be like, Oh, that, that helm, I want that, but it's my turn. I, I have to choose to collect or pass. And I'm like, well, I could sell this for a lot. He's like, Oh, come on. It's perfect for my guy. And, um, and what's great too, is all the gear is completely reflected on your guy. So when Mike gets his tin foil hat, which protects him from confuse, um, he's actually wearing a tin foil hat and it is quite, quite enjoyable. So yeah, for the King, uh, especially with friends really, um, really good time but i'm not sure that i would play it solo even though you can and i know that that's how my friend bo played it first um why he waited this long to suggest it only bo knows but uh it is definitely been a hit for us um so far uh but but so i was looking for a solo game too and and going through my game pass and back catalog so many people have been talking about this um, Yakuza series over the past little while. Like it's really had a, a resurgence of popularity in the West. Um, uh, and uh, that I think was pre predicated a lot on this release of this game, Yakuza Zero, 
uh, primarily for PS4, but now ported to PC and others. And uh, as a, as an entry point with like newer graphics and mechanics and stuff like that. And uh, so, so, um, so I started, I, I've started Yakuza zero and I'm actually like, I don't want to say super far, but I'm like four chap, four or five chapters in. So I, I feel like, I have a good sense of what the game is and, and what it is not. It could still surprise me, but like I think I think I'm I understand it now. So I'm going to pause my rant at, at, at this point, Ryan, uh, and just see do, do, and ask you because I feel like For the King is a little bit more niche. But there may be a chance that you did play Yakuza or Yakuza Zero. Did you? I did play Yakuza 0. I played a, a good chunk of it. I did not finish it. It was on the recommendation of uh, Jimmy the Shovel, the same person that you are currently feuding with on Twitter due to your, uh, I think he threatened to block you for some reason. I don't know if you... Uh... He can't block his ears, Jimmy. You can hear my thoughts soon on your precious Yakuza. Yeah. Well, all I'll say is this. Um, I think that, I think the series has its moments it's not my it's not my kind of game i think i really really sucked at the combat um the fact that yakuza like a dragon the newest yakuza game has turn-based combat i'm more interested in that one i'm waiting for it to come to game pass though but i appreciate the over the topness of it and i think those were my favorite moments when i played yakuza zero was mostly the cutscenes of the characters just going over the top you know, there's the classic uh, GIF. If you search Yakuza and any of the GIF search engines, you're going to find, like, you know, uh, the main character kicking the door open and having a guy fly away. Yeah, You know, the guy popping out of the sewer. Um, just a lot of fun stuff. So, like, it's very over the top. And those are the moments I really appreciate. But uh, I'm just terrible at the brawler combat. I'm not good at fighters outside of smash right i find that funny because it is so easy like i have not i like just to put it in perspective i have not died one time okay you know like i don't even know i don't even think i've come close to death all right like no and and this is not a brag because i am not great at these games and i'm on normal difficulty and on pc with an xbox 360 pad and uh it just feels like your guys are like ridiculously unbeatable um maybe maybe some of the bosses like i did get a little bit of a sweat going on some of the bosses but but really like it just feels like you just hammer everyone which which honestly is is kind of fun i i like that power mentality like these games just run up to you you're like all right boom 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 you're all beat up like that's that's potentially my favorite part i think the problem with this game for me has been the expectations that it's it's burned which is that y- yakuza everybody's i guess being pleasantly surprised by it but i've listened to so many podcasts where people will gush about this game and the series in general and um while i i'm i'm not saying that i i won't necessarily get into it more i definitely think that it is overhyped and that is it that is the thing that is even the ridiculousness stuff like that you're talking about and there is stuff and i've seen some stuff so far like saints row and even gta like which these games are sort of like like you're in an urban environment crime drama and uh they have ridiculous things as well, if not more ridiculous. And I guess I expected more in the ter- in terms of craziness. Your your guy, it's very it's very much like an older model of game, and that you're talking to all these quest givers. They're like, 
help me with this, help me with that, and like uh, get me a, a toy from the claw machine, or or you know pretend to be my boyfriend while we meet my dad, and like some some of them some of them are are fun, like they're they're funny, but it's stuff that I could see doing in other open world games, and so it, it didn't necessarily grab me. What did grab me was the actual main storyline, at least in the very first chapter, which is heavy on it. Um, I started playing and I was like, man, I did not expect to get interested into the, the drama of the Yakuza set. And th that first chapter um, concludes with an, uh, a great action sequence that had me pumping my fist and being like, oh, this is, this is awesome. Um, and then it's chapter two just pumps the brakes and like make, makes it so that like you have to walk around this like – this area of Japan, and I love escapism, and I love feeling like I'm in a place. But for some reason, and I, you know, maybe it's because I'm looking at my big, giant, sexy monitor too close. Uh, if this isn't, this feels like made up on computer, like the 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 area, like it doesn't. It's it, when in Persona, when I'm running around this uh, Tokyo in 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 Persona Five, I there's like a stylized feeling that I'm somewhere else. Whereas here, there, I feel like uh, I guess a little bit that I'm in in a video game world, like walking around video game town. Sometimes there's little things that are cool and that I I really appreciate, but. Um, and and then of course like it is kind of a double A not a triple A game which are few and far between these days and and I want to give it a pass on that but like the cutscenes sometimes there will be beautifully animated cutscenes and then other times it's like slideshows and then other times it's like just talking like talking heads uh, and text uh, and yeah so it's all it's all over the map on so many and so many things and when it's good it's really good but then when it's not I'm just I lose interest and i'm like uh like the past couple of nights i i've essentially not touched it and now i'm wondering if i'm gonna go back uh and i am as i said like i i did the two first chapters you play as one character then you switch to another character and i've done two chapters you know i'm just finishing up the the fourth chapter with that character and it, so the story is a slow build now they started big and now they're, they're slow slowly building and i think that i could get back into it and i like the fighting I, I really do i enjoy the fighting but all the quests most of which actually don't involve fighting um i i just have to, it has not clicked in the same way that i expected it to i expected to be coming in here singing the praises of this game be like oh, it's the best thing everybody is right about yakuza it's so good where i'm just like yeah it's all right you know like there's there's nothing nothing particularly uh you know, you I I don't want to say there's nothing particularly unique about it because it does have its own unique flair, but it, but it's not. It, there's nothing that I haven't. I'm not doing anything I've never done in another game before, and often better. I'd say the fighting is one of those things. The fact that guns is you're not going around shooting everyone is nice. Like that, I like the brawler the brawler stuff. That's that stuff I appreciate. Um, a lot more. Maybe I'll turn the difficulty up, Ryan. I didn't realize that I was so gifted. Well, it's it's interesting. I think Yakuza Zero was also uh, it was all subtitled, right? There's no English VO. Am I remembering that correctly? That's true. Yeah. So I mean, not to say that uh, you know I can't get behind um, you know something without an without an English track. I think it's just uh, there was a lot there was a lot stacked up against it in terms of revisiting the game you know after my initial sort of like uh 
homework, if you will, for the gamers in, but I am genuinely interested in checking out Yakuza Like a Dragon just because it addresses the combat genre, which isn't just my cup of tea. I think it has, um, I could be wrong. And again, Jimmy's probably going to listen to this and, and he'll let us know, which is always, he's my Yakuza guy. If I have any questions about Yakuza, I just speak to him through the podcast and, uh, or podcasts in that matter. Can I just say one thing about, and this is about Jimmy and others is like, they love, they love Yakuza. People love this series and they love the franchise and they love these characters. And that's why I keep feeling like I'm, I don't know if, if I'm playing it wrong or I'm missing out on something, or at one point they're going to, to click with me, you know, again, like I know we just, I, I just talked about, and the fact that I have two girls now, I think about this all the time, but I just talked about Falcon and the Winter Soldier having big bro energy and not having really any female characters um, of, of which to speak of to, to really grip into. Yakuza Zero, like, I mean, unless somebody shows up soon, uh, I'm like four chapters in and the only women in it are there to be saved, you know, like, or, or you know, work at the cabaret or something like that. They're not, there's no There's no strong female characters or female characters at all that I, you know, that I can see other than like, you know, token side. And I'm not saying that every game and every show needs to have members of both sex in the, in them. Like, but like this, this is just, it is noticeable. And obviously like it's in the eighties. So could potentially, there could be like some really, really cringe stuff. And so far I haven't seen really anything like that that make me be like, Ooh, this is uncomfortable, but it really, what, what is noticeable is just like, there's no female characters. And so I would never recommend this to like, I wouldn't be like, I wouldn't say to my wife, Hey, you want to, want to watch me play this game she would and she she needs that game she's not a gamer so if she doesn't identify with a a character or want want to see them through then then she's not going to uh not going to be there for it so i my feeling is it like like it would be yakuza zero is one of those games where if she walked by and i'm playing it i would i would be i don't want to say embarrassed because i never really get embarrassed anymore but i would be like i need to explain some things to you here so this guy <laughs> you know like he's uh it's in the 80s he's beating up these guys because well they just attacked him but they're wearing bunny hats because i don't know you know like so the 80s <laughs> uh, is the answer yeah. to all of your questions issues and problems with this that's game. the other thing is that i didn't like i haven't been to japan in the 80s but like i've been to japan in the 90s i've been to japan in the 2000s so like walking around in 1980s japan it doesn't really feel like the 80s and that's not because it it doesn't it doesn't it's not because they didn't nail it they may very well have nailed it it's just that it just feels like like I, I don't know right like whereas if they if if I was playing a Western game that was set in the eighties I'd be like okay this feels like the eighties because I know what it's like living here and what the eighties would feel like whereas there because you know like what do I know what an eighties Japanese sushi place looks like compared to a two thousand 10 Japanese sushi place. I, I don't know. Like it looks just looks like a sushi place, you know, like, so, so it doesn't, it doesn't have that same aside from going in the Sega arcades and playing some of those old games and stuff. There's never a time where I'm like, Oh yeah, this really feels like the eighties. So yeah. anyway, Yakuza seven on 10. <laughs> wow. Throwing those sevens around like it's going out of business, but, uh, I, you know what? For the King 8.5. Oh, you almost Mario Karted so, it. Wasn't Mario Kart? No, I think that was a seven point six that caused all that 
fervor back in the day uh okay well that's interesting i i'm glad you checked out yakuza zero honestly i i do plan on revisiting it once like a dragon comes on game pass but that's a really good point about uh yakuza yeah i don't remember any female characters um showing up but there's gotta be there's like eight of these games so there's gotta be one that features i went through them it was funny i was (laughs) it's funny you mentioned that because i went through like just reading about just the very base stuff about all the games in the series because i'm amazed at how many games there are and there's one like yakuza four or five where you play as like four or five protagonists like like a lot of protagonists like because switching back and forth and they're all men and i laughed (laughs) i was like oh i was like oh yakuza i i could be wrong but i'm pretty sure they're all men also i think one of them may have spoiled something for the game i'm playing so i probably should stop doing that but anyway uh yeah i don't want to come down too hard on it because i'm like i'm not stopping yet I, i i'm planning on returning to it and when i do i you know it's very possible as i said the first chapter was so good that like if i get back into the story um it's and uh i you know, like I, I could see it sinking its hooks into me, and and uh, I Yakuza is famous for its its mini games and stuff inside things, and um, while I've engaged with a couple of those, they've both been shitty, and uh, I think that if I got a good one, maybe that would sink its hooks in me, me as well. I hear like managing the, the one of the clubs or something is is fun, and I haven't got to that that point yet. You know, for me, it's all been about sending people around the world to get equipment for baseball bats and driving RC cars. So uh, we will, we will, we will see, but uh, it's just, I want to counterbalance the extreme amount of Yakuza love I've heard on other podcasts and I've heard a lot of it. So I feel like I'm doing something wrong, but we will, we will, we will see how it goes in the meantime, Jimmy, you can hate tweet me. I understand if you need to block me, I also understand, but I tell you what, that's the thing about sevens out of tens. You don't really tweet about them that much. It's not like a three or a four out of ten where you're like, this thing sucks, or a ten out of ten, you know, where where you're like, oh, Breath of the Wild is the best game ever. It's like it, it's like, you know, seven out of ten, you're like, all right. It is what it is. Well, there you go. Oh, speaking speaking of things that are what they are, we should uh mosey out of the dungeons and uh and and uh get right into uh the the diapers section now again for those of you who just like are like what's the deal with the show these guys they've just been talking about video games and tv shows i i i get that all the time and i would say to you you are right you probably do but first off not as insightful and clever secondly there's not necessarily a parenting component and you're probably thinking to yourself well there hasn't been a parenting component in the first like hour of the show i've listened to and you you would be right but there's going to be one now so ryan tell us how's it been going being a dad lately well i mean on that on on your note about the podcast uh technically the original concept was a 50 50 approach but honestly uh you know not a lot not a lot happens in in two weeks that you want to you want to, you know, that's going to take up half a show, but, uh, and also for the last year we've been in this, uh, pandemic of ours and it's just been, to me, it feels like it's, it's been another couple weeks and just, uh, getting through on our normal routine of Caden's and virtual learning. Abby's, you know, stuck between, you know, hanging out with Isabel and mom and, 
and or downstairs with Caden in between sessions and I'm working still from home. So it's been another normal, quote unquote, normal uh, two weeks here. Nothing really crazy to report. I mean, I think I might have talked about it earlier, but like Isabel's uh, walking pretty much got it down good. So she's like just motoring all over the place, uh, which is frustrating um, both, both Caden and, and Abigail, where, uh, now they've, they've both Caden and Abigail have gotten to the point where they, they do all, they play all their games on top of tables. So they'll like take their blocks and they'll build it on their little, uh, their little table that Isabel struggles to reach. Um, Abby sets up all her toys on like high shelves. She likes to collect things and set them up. So she like sets them all up on high shelves, excuse me, high shelves, or in locations where Isabel can't get to them. So, um, yeah, it's just been pretty standard. Uh, although Netflix dropped uh, a new season of Paw Patrol. And I don't know if you've had a chance to... I don't know if your kids are watching Paw Patrol still, but... Um, yeah, we watch it. Yeah, so they got the new stuff there. And it's uh, just when you thought dinosaurs was the highest you could go, they have motorcycle gangs now, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, I just, I think it's, I think it is funny that it took them so long to get to moto pups. The idea that the pups now ride motorcycles and <laughs> that a cat joins the Paw Patrol. Like these feel like, whoa, I didn't get these, that far. Spoiler alert. Oh, geez. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, I thought this like, was a I spoiler feel, free podcast. Crofton. <laughs> I, I thought that was, I don't know what order they're in. Look, <laughs> I all know. I was. All, all I will say is like I like that they they decided, you know, like I imagine them all sitting in a meeting room being like, so what do we do for, what do we do for next season? Uh, last season we did uh, what was it? They became lifeguards. Uh, okay, so I got one. They get motorcycles, and, and somebody's like, um, too soon. Anybody, too soon. <laughs> any anybody else? Uh, they could go into Jake's Mountain, and it could be a gateway to a dinosaur paradise, and they could get dino gear, and there could be a disabled pup. Yes, let's do that. And then maybe motorcycles next year. It's a natural progression, you know? Um, and uh, and so that's what I was watching. And I'm like, this is really a down from the dinosaurs. Don't get me wrong. It's still, it's much more attuned with the the reality of the Paw Patrol. But uh, wow. it's funny that you uh, use that word. Well, well, but, you know, the, the what I expect of the Paw Patrol. I also like when they get on their motorcycles, like in the way that they get out of the um, the tower or the moto, whatever they call it now. Instead of just having a door out, they have to kind of like drive up the walls to make it look super cool. Oh, uh, and it, anyway, like, uh, yeah, it's uh, we've watched a little bit of it. Yeah, it sounds like it. Uh, yeah, I know the cat showed up and then there's like this rival gang that's made up of like hound dog type type deals. And uh, I don't, I, I think like in terms of diminishing returns, I'm not, I'm not sure the kids are as into it. Cause you went from a season earlier where it was like dinosaurs, mighty pups. Um, and maybe like a couple of like normal episodes, quote unquote mixed in there. But uh, yeah, it, it is odd. Yeah. I guess with Paw Patrol, they kind of opened themselves. They kept it open to put cats in there. And it's taken them this long to kind of introduce like a cat. I don't know. You know what made me laugh the most? What? Was, uh, and I was laughing out loud. Like, I went out because I walked. <laughs> it was the first time I was exposed to it because I, I got to the bathroom and I came out and the girls were watching Paw Patrol. And I look at the screen and I see Ryder 
and he's presenting their mission on a screen like um and he's <laughs> he's wearing a jacket and i'm like oh, yeah. like like a black biker leather jacket like just like and Ryder, just to be clear is a 10 year old kid and i think he He's like even got jeans and a chain or something. Like he's like he's normally in like a Paw Patrol like uniform for lack of a better term. term. And here he's wearing like a biker jacket. Yeah. Jacket. And I'm like I just started laughing out loud and I'm like what is going on? <laughs> but uh, but yeah, kids kids are uh, kids are enjoying it. But they they've mostly moved on to other shows. Um, Gwen's into this Barbie Dream House on Netflix right now, which. I, normally Barbie would set off a lot of alarm bells for me, but I've watched enough of this show where it's actually kind of, it's like, it's all right. It's good value, family value type show. Uh, Barbie and her friends, they go on adventures. Ken's a bit of a buffoon. <laughs> Ken. Um, but uh, look, even Barbie could find room for a male ca- character. Where? W- w- what's up, Yakuza? Uh, but uh, Call back. <laughs> but yeah. Um, and But the girls are watching kind of different shows right now. So it, it Paw Patrol on the motorcycle seems to be something that they're both be kind of like into. Uh, we'll see how long that will last. Um, I just wanted to touch on your point about everything feeling kind of the same and stuff. And I, I, I totally agree. And people are starting to get vaccinated. We talked about this. I expect that that's going to start, start to change. But we're definitely feeling it as well. But I'm also noticing, and I don't know if you, your kids are a little younger, definitely with Gwen, um, the the problems of pandemic parenting, um, and uh, that should be the title: problems of pandemic parenting. Man, what an alliteration! Um, and uh, Gwen, Gwen is like, so we've got there are kids her age on our street, right? And she wants to play with them, and they want to play with her because it was winter and everyone was inside, so that's fine. But now it's spring, everybody's out and about, and they want to play together, and. And we're like letting them, but wearing masks and like, we've become like the mask supplier now. Cause we've got like rainbow masks and other stuff. And like the other kids are like, ah, oh, can you, can, can we have one of your masks as well? So now there's these sort of like groups play, like sometimes play groups of like three or four or five, you know, neighborhood kids. And I just feel like, I feel a little bad because like, you know, we went from saying no to kind of like allowing it, but with, I'm always out there yelling at Gwen, spacing, spacing, Gwen, space. You got to leave room for the Holy Ghost. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, kids, they, you know, they want to play together and stuff. And it's just like, I, I guess I just feel that like, you know, as it goes longer and now she's in e-learning again, and it's been her second week of e-learning that like, like, this is, she's only going to be this age once, and and this is this COVID thing is happening and 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 ruining a big chunk of her childhood. And I I just want her to have kind of a normal childhood and not be overprotective. But at the same time, like I want her to be able to play with friends and knowing knowing where you can draw a line. And and like right now in Ontario, where we're supposed to be at a complete stay at home um, order, you know, and and really like you know, we shouldn't be doing, we shouldn't be playing with any of the other neighborhood kids, but you know, such as life. If we, if we told Gwen, you can't do that. And she's the only one looking out the window, watching them play. Um, I would feel awful about that. And so I think it's a risk that we're willing to take, but it's just the decisions of pandemic parenting. I find continue to be challenging and I don't ever know what the right answer is, you know? 
Yeah, I, I feel you on that. Um, you know, we've been trying, like the weather has been nicer. We're getting those spring days where it's plus 10 degrees Celsius. We can get out there and, and it's just like literally throw your shoes on, throw your hat on and go. And that's been really nice because bundling kids up is sometimes, you know, the difference between going out and staying in if you have like a half hour. And, you know, Ashley's been taking the kids for walks and we have a neighbor across the street. He lives by himself. His uh, his wife had passed away, I think, a decade ago. He has a partner, um, but she only comes by, you know, on weekends. So he's I'll, I'll literally see him, you know, pacing in his driveway or, you know, walking uh, across his front lawn and into his backyard and back again. And so he's clearly incredibly bored. They've shut down the golf courses. So he's he's bored. And Ashley will take the kids for a walk and uh, or I'll go for a walk and and, you know, he wants to he wants to talk to the kids. The kids want to talk to him. It's like, oh, we, can we go say hi to, you know, our neighbor and, and you know, go say hi and have a conversation. And he, I, I, we feel the same way. It's like, okay, like, just let's keep our distance. Let's have a conversation. Like, you're making a very valid point of, like, these kids are only going to be four once. They're only going to be two once. And I know it's easy to say, well, you know, they're only four once, but, like, that age they'll they'll be that age around that age when all this is over but it's been a year you know and it's probably going to be another you know year before things go right back to normal i I think it's that it's we have to you have to cut some slack you know where it's safest no one is saying you know let's all go to the you know the ball pit at mcdonald's and you know say f it that's not what we're saying but i think like wearing a mask, trying to keep your distance, sanitizing, uh, like that sort of thing can make those interactions fine and keeps their childhood uh, a thing that they can remember. No one wants them to look back and be like, man, remember that year where all we did was look forward to Netflix drops? Like that was fun. That's not what we want them to, to look back and remember. We want them to remember moments that we don't want them to block out like an entire year of their life because <laughs> because it it was the year we got moto pups like i i don't know i don't feel if i were in your shoes i like we don't have a lot of kids around here um but when they do sort of pop around and the kids are out for a walk like we don't say like get away from the kid don't go near him we just make sure like you know keep your keep your distance you can have a conversation with them if you're both wearing masks like you can even you know, be within a distance that is like kind of a normal distance as opposed to like six feet isn't normally a, a social, well, it is social distancing, right? So I think that's totally, totally fine. And again, um, we're in a position in Ontario here where, yeah, the numbers are high, but like they're not so crazy high that you can't have a conversation with your neighbor. You know, we're not looking at other parts of the world where, yeah, you can't leave your home because it is so bad. Like that has happened, you know, on the globe in the last year. Um, And maybe we get there, but I don't think we get there by having like a neighborly conversation with other people, you know? So I think, I think that it's totally fine for, for your kids to have a, have a social interaction with someone their own age, especially if they're super duper used to it. I can see that being a real problem going from being in school 
full time with other people, even during the pandemic to not having that. It's just not the same over zoom. It's just not. Well, I'm going to tell my wife, I'm going to tell my wife that I'm going to be like, you know what? Ryan Murphy said it was okay. So, uh, so, you know, we're sending those kids out there and I'll be damned. You know, you take it up with Ryan Murphy. Well, you know what? There's a lot of like stupid stuff that is fine and doesn't seem to get shit on right now. And I think that's the, like I said this to Ashley the other day about the pandemic. You remember like in March of last year when all this happened, like you had elected officials, like kind of, (laughs) yeah, you had elected officials, like of all levels, like normalizing what we have to do in order to keep saying like, yeah, people are going to be having more screen time. Yeah. People are going to be, you know, in their homes more and just like, you know, kind of talking about this big shift in order to, you know, flatten the curve and all that. But now it's just like, all people can do is talk about the numbers, talk about how shitty Doug Ford is handling this, all this stuff. And, uh, and the vaccines, when we're going to get the vaccines, like there isn't this talk of like, what your kids are going through, what you're going through, like what your, what work is going through. Like, it's just, it's weird how the conversation has changed and it's moved away from sort of mental health and just been on like, what, you know, we could be through this if we all just got vaccinated, which is impossible, right? We have, we have supply constraints. We have a lot of people that have to get needles in arms. Like there's a lot of things that need to happen. And I think it'd just be nice if we could have some conversations of like, how's everybody doing? What's everybody doing to, to get through this? Like how are our kids, like when they shut down the playgrounds, I think that was the closest to getting back to that conversation of mental health, especially for kids, you know, where there was a whole like day where they said, we're shutting down the playgrounds. And I'm like, wait, what? Like playgrounds aren't doing anything to cause issues, you know, shut down. I don't know. It's just, it's wild. I don't know if you felt that, like that conversation shift. Yeah, we we sometimes tell them, oh yeah, playgrounds are closed, and uh, then Claire, we were biking by playgrounds the other day. Claire was like, playgrounds are open. I'm like, god damn it! And then we had to go to playgrounds the next day. She knew that we were lying. Um, <laughs> anyway, we were we were just like, it's easier just to tell her that they're closed. Yeah, and I get that, and I and I, I think for us, like we always said to the kids, like, look, we can go to the playgrounds as long as they're vacant. And I think, you know, I live in a town that we're really lucky to have kind of multiple playgrounds within walking distance of our house. So if we go, we can kind of do a tour. Like we can go to the ones like, oh, there's someone there. Let's let them have their space. We'll go to the next one. And sure enough, with the three or four in the area, we can kind of find one within walking distance that we can play at without worry of um, having uh, just a random encounter with and just making it awkward for that, you know, family that's enjoying their time at the playground. So it just makes sure everyone keeps their distance. And I, and I feel for folks who have like, you know, just one kid, you know, we Caden and Abigail are close enough in age where they can play together. So they have that, you know, that companionship to kind of just hang out as friends. But uh, I know they would, they would love to just hang out with uh other kids not just <laughs> they get sick of each other 
that's great. Like Gwen uh, and Clara are also making that connection as friends, and 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 I, I love to see that as well. Anyway, just to for listeners, I I I'd re reinforce Ryan's points. It's like, you know, cut yourself some slack and cut your kids some slack. Like I mean, we're near the end, and and we got it. We got to give them the the little light at the end of the tunnel when we can. And uh, to that effect, for me, I've I've always been trying to concentrate on having stuff for Gwen to look forward to, and one of it as I mentioned on multiple episodes is playing breath of the wild with me. Um, and it's been so great, but we have now officially finished the game. And when I say finish the game, aside from collecting every single Korok, which she wouldn't want to do. And I God knows do not want to do. We have done pretty much everything. So we've cleaned out the side quests in the game. We've cleaned out, we've done all the Master Sword challenges on the expansion pass. We've done the champion, ballad champions, you know, all the divine beasts, all like everything that you could do is this more or less. There's a couple of pieces of DEX DLC armor that we didn't find or whatever, but we were, we, we pretty much did everything. And then uh, we, we tackled uh, Hyrule Castle and fought Ganon, and it was a great, uh, great. And um, to a great experience, we had a, an awesome time. I would just say as a closing wrap-up to Breath of the Wild, one thing that I did, and I, I recommend this to all of you who have not, say, played this game through, is don't fight, don't go in and and deal with Ganon or um, like too early and then load your game afterwards because the game ends like you don't you don't it's not one of those open world games where you get to play it after the after the credits it's over so um what it'll do is it'll kick you back to your save right before you fight again um but so i made the conscious effort of like we built up ganon as this big bad like his his the game does it as well but he's flying around like there's there's a ghost ganon flying around hyrule castle it's all really scary Gwen had really built it up as being this epic thing. And um, while it, you know, it's still a video game boss fight, uh, but, but I, even me in my mind, like the entire game is building up towards this conflict with Ganon. Even the DLC, both DLCs, the Master Sword uh, Challenges and the Ballad of the Champions are about building yourself stronger to face Ganon, like making your Master Sword stronger, making your Champion's ability stronger, like, it's all about that. So I would say if you do go in and you, as soon as you fight Ganon, it's like the Wizard of Oz effect. You've seen the wizard. As soon as you've seen the wizard, it changes things. Because um, as soon as we, there was a couple, like I said, there was a couple of little things we didn't do. But when we went back to it the next day and we loaded the game, I think both of us felt like, We've we've done this now, you know. We finished this game. We've done everything there is to do, and we began. And and so I would just say my recommendation to those of you playing it is please, like you can go into Hyrule Castle to get into the top of the castle, and and but but there's no message that's going to pop up that says, "Are you sure you want to complete the game here?" <laughs> uh, like which a lot of games have, like this gatekeeping. There's none of that. So like literally, it can. It, it snuck up on, on us a little bit. Um, but uh, but yeah, so that's my recommendation for Breath of the Wild. And the follow-up to Breath of the Wild for us has been Stardew Valley, which we've installed on the, uh, the Switch. I always felt that this would be a good game for, for Gwen following Animal Crossing. I never played Stardew Valley. And, uh, and um, yeah, uh, 
it, it's a little advanced. Like it's it's more like I would say an old, older kid game. It's it's leaps and bounds above Animal Crossing in terms of what it requires. But she's really into it, and it's so fun to see because it goes to show you that kids mostly don't give a shit about graphics. Because uh, my wife is like, "What is this game?" And I'm, I'm like, "This is how games used to look for me." Uh, it's like you know, 16, 16 bit art style. But Gwen, Gwen is does not care. Like those chickens in her chicken coop might as well be like in super amazing graphics, or they could just be like five pixels. She does not care. They're her chickens, you know? Uh, and she's, she's really into it. And I'll be honest, I'm kind of into it too. And, uh, what I'm drifting away from Yakuza from is unlike animal crossing that allows you to only have one Island for, for copy of the game here, you can have multiple save files. And so I'm like, I'm going to start my own farm. And I did. And it's been, uh, it's been all right. I don't mind the Stardew Valley. Yeah, well, I think you might. If Jim listened long enough, you might have won him back with Stardew Valley because he's also a huge fan of that game. Um, oh, really? So if he survived through the the Yakuza stuff, um, yeah, no, Stardew Valley is awesome. It's a game that I played a bunch of, but never. I mean, quote unquote, finished. Uh, there's a lot to play there, but uh, yeah, I I feel like that's a game that uh, would be right up. Gwen's Alley. So it sounds like she's enjoying it, though. So that's really good. Yeah, it it, it is uh, fun. There's a lot of stuff to do, and I can see it can be like it's both relaxing and can be a bit stressing when you're trying to like min max everything. Like be like, okay, I've got this much time in the day because it's not in real time like Animal Crossing. It's like you have a certain amount of time, and the days go fast, and the seasons go fast, and there's like, you know, a day is about 15 minutes real time. And um, and you're trying to figure it out, and you have an energy meter, like uh, like so. If you're if you're doing stuff, you only have so much energy to spend in a day, um, and uh, and how you spend that energy is 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 kind of important. Uh, otherwise, you're going to get exhausted and have half the energy the next day. And so Gwen is like learning how to to manage that stuff. And she can play it without me, uh, but she can't do. There's a lot that she can't do, and the fishing mini game in it is actually pretty challenging. And she can't, so she can't catch a fish. Um, so she can't do the fishing. She doesn't want to do the adventuring down in the mines without me. But all the farming stuff she can do, buying the seeds, watering the plants, all of that sort of stuff, she loves. She loves doing that stuff, and uh, yeah, it's really it, – I can't believe one dude made this game. It's really got so much into it, and I'll have more thoughts on Stardew Valley in the, the future. I think that it's going to be in there for the long haul, but it's funny because the Switch is like my favorite video game console of all time now. I'm pretty comfortable saying that, and part of it is because I buy these games that are available literally everywhere, um, but my experience with them – is on the switch right like a hades or a stardew valley or whatever so so like i associate them all with the switch and i just think oh man the switch is so good but the reality is is a lot of these games are also available elsewhere and i would say play stardew valley wherever you wherever you can even if you think you might not have an interest i think you'd be surprised agreed it's a great game and the oh you played it oh yeah yeah i've played it and uh, I actually own it on the Switch. So I think there might even be multiplayer on the Switch, like online there is. multiplayer. I, I'm curious. There's not only online, there's split screen. And I almost started with that for Gwen and I. But I just felt like it'd be easier, like, let's get a sense of the game and start a farm and all this. And now we both have our own farms. I'm going to explore how the co-op, because I think maybe the next step is that we start a, a co-op 
or a, even a family farm if Jess has an interest. I think, I think it would be it would be interesting. I see it breaks it split screen and stuff, so I'd be I'd be curious to see how it how it works out and if it if I can bear it. But uh, but yeah, I'm I'm excited to explore more uh, uh, from from that game. Did you finish? Like how how far before you pulled the plug on that one? How how much did you do? Um. I don't know. It's hard to say. I did the the I I've gotten to the mines. Did um, you do a year? Uh, yeah. Oh, I think so. Yeah, I did the whole. I did a whole cycle for sure. Or did I? It's hard to remember. Um, it's one of those games that I played a long time ago. Uh, I even played a little bit on PC, and then I moved over to the. I picked it up on Switch as well. When playing it on Switch and the controls are, are good, it, it does feel though like Gwen would notice this, but it does feel like a PC game. Like there is like a it when, when you're playing it, it's like this is from the PC. You can sort of you can sort of get a sense. Don't let that stop you from jumping into it. But uh, yeah, I don't want to give Stardew Valley a rating yet. If I had to score it now, I, I would give it an eight. Hmm. But but the fact, but I put an asterisk next to that eight, meaning that. It was also made by one dude, so I feel like that that it should be a ten because of that, you know. But ah, whatever. It's it's it's, it's tricky. Yeah, it's not an exact science. Not yet. We're working on it though. Yeah, I rated a lot of things today, Ryan. Speaking of rating, um, if you want to rate us, you can. Oh wait, I was going to go into the outro stuff, but we got some listener feedback. It's from uh, Dominic who tweeted at us at DNDcast, just like you can. Uh, so at DNDcast is our Twitter handle. And, and Dominic's wrote a very interesting tweet here. It says, please do a spoiler cast of Falcon and Winter Soldier. Well, that that seems like a uh, an easy request in the sense that we pretty much did that today almost. Um, but we can, we can, uh, we should, we should, merge this with 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 uh wandavision talk and just go full spoiler cast and it won't be today because i'm fading no. rapidly but hopefully in the uh in the near future we can do that um and uh yeah if you have requests like that we appreciate them because it means that you care about us and want to hear our thoughts and it makes us so happy uh you can send us uh tweets at dnd cast you can send tweets to us individually because Ryan exists as a person on Twitter at R Murphy, and I'm mostly a person at Croft and Steers. So you can you can follow and engage with us there. You can also just visit us on the web at tgistudios.com/dad. And if you want to make our lives really easy, because reading emails on the show during the mailbag is the is is really the best way for us to uh, to uh, communicate your thoughts back to you. Um, you can send us an email, dad at tgistudios.com. D-A-D at tgistudios.com uh, is, is how you can email the show. If you have topics you want us to discuss, feedback, anything like that, we we love it. Uh, and so that will do it, Ryan. We've done it. Success. Achievement Unlocked. Uh, another episode of Dungeons & Diapers in the books. Do you have any final work, words before I tell everybody to have a great week well uh yeah wandavision and falcon spoiler casts coming soon ryan has said it out loud so it it must be so uh 
so that's something for you guys to look forward to. So first you can look forward to that and then probably the vaccine and the end of COVID. And, <laughs> yes. and I would I would say in that order, probably like the most important thing would be the spoiler cast and then those other things. I think so, we're just uh, more likely to get ahead of COVID than than for us. Although, I mean, our at kids' the rate TV show we deliver <laughs> At the rate we deliver on our promises, Ryan, I, I'm not sure. Uh, Joe Biden's delivered on more promises in his first time. Yeah, how's our Patreon we, coming? The, yeah, <laughs> the yeah, promise yeah, of yeah. people giving us money. No. Nope. <laughs> yeah, it, it seems like we, we, we have to uh, live up to our promises, but this is one that I feel is obtainable. So we will do it. And that is going to do it for this episode of Dungeons & Diapers. Have a great week, everyone. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye.